Shout out podcast number 34, uh, the Muay Thai World Cup post-show podcast. Okay, guys, there's no intro this one. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. So me and Chris already recorded a podcast today. I don't know what happened, but then uh, for whatever reason, I was, I was trying to, well, turn the podcast machine on. It froze, uh, our little machine that we use here. And I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't turn it on. Uh, so I unplug a battery, turn it back on. Yay. And it did not whatsoever save our hour and 40-minute podcast of the Muay Thai World Cup post show. Needless to say, uh, I'm really, really agitated from that. Because uh, we obviously also screwed up the pre-show, so we have like three hours of material that we thought we had, which is not there. So, you know what? God damn it, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and just do it by myself. First time uh, doing the podcast by myself, but the show was going on and I'm stubborn and pissed off, so I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> so, um, I apologize. Man, me and Chris had a great talk, and he has such a great perspective because he was in the corner of Jake Peacock. I'm really, really upset about this. So we'll have to get, uh, well, obviously we'll have Chris back on. I mean, he's he's the other half of this. But uh, we'll get him on and we'll, we'll get this from his point of view. But uh, man, geez, such a pain. Uh, I did have an intro recorded as well, but I'll just kind of get into it. Um, so before I, I sort of break down these fights from the Muay Thai World Cup, I do just want to say that... Uh, uh, I don't have any actual formal training doing commentary or anything like that whatsoever. Uh, I just think uh, I have the knowledge and uh, I like the job. I think it's a cool job. And um, I contacted Kieran and said, hey, man, I want to do this. And in typical Kieran Kettle fashion, you jump in with two feet. And that's something I learned. Oh, sorry, just going to turn the mic down a bit here. Uh, hey, and that's okay. I, I, I dig it that way. But uh, uh, the first... So, my, my very first go, to be honest, was with Dakota here in Calgary. Shout out to Michael Short from Dakota. I, I'll never forget that, that you allowed me, to, you gave me my first opportunity. But the guys I sat with were, uh, they were either, one guy was a radio show host here in Calgary, and the other guy, I believe, was like the announcer for the Calgary Roughnecks. Roughnecks? Is that right? Lacrosse team? Calgary Roughnecks? I don't, I don't watch sports. I guess a little bit of hockey, but outside of that, it's all fighting. Calgary Roughnecks, that sounds right. But anyway, um... So they gave me a few pieces of advice just to how to commentate. But other than that, uh, I've had no guidance and I'm not complaining. But what I'm trying to get at here, I guess, is uh, I just, uh, I'm I'm always a little anxious and nervous, maybe a little bit, that uh, there's people out there, the fighters and the coaches, right? So now that we've been 
there's been several Muay Thai World Cups, and obviously we're back out of COVID, and we get to see each other again. All these, uh, all these people involved have become sort of like friends, acquaintances, you know, that that kind of work colleagues. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So, so when you're in there commentating, when I'm commentating, at least I can only speak for myself. Uh, I'm just calling what I see, and it's a nothing about it is personal at all. It's a hundred percent. I'd like to think professional. I mean, I'm trying to be professional, but I I do know that fighters can hear me, corners can hear me, and every once in a while, I I, I get a look from the corner or I get a look from the fighter, and uh, I just want you to know that that like maybe I I said something wrong or it wasn't what you saw or or whatever I said didn't actually happen, but I'm just trying to call the action as I see it, and. Uh, uh, I, I feel the anxious, man. I see when you guys look at me. I, I feel it. I see it. So I, I just, I say this in in um, in just letting people know that it, I'm just calling the fights as I see it. And remember, the crowd can't actually hear me. So I'm trying to call the fights for the people who are watching it on TV or pay-per-view or whatever. Uh, and I'm trying to make it as exciting as I can for them at home. And it's pretty exciting when you're there. Uh so, and that was some advice, obviously, I got from the, the Calgary Roughnecks. I'm sure that's what it is. But, uh, uh, you know, make it make sure you're talking to sort of 100,000 people or pretend that you are. Now, the hard part of that is, like I said, I've now become friends and acquaintances with all these awesome people. And uh, you're it's when you're watching one of them, and, and, and to be honest, maybe I'm even biased in the fact that I, I have no problem letting you guys know I... I had favorites in there. I I had my my people who I wanted to win and lose. Obviously, I can't let anyone know that, but uh, I'm feeling it too. So let let's say one of these people I'm cheering for, friends, acquaintances, whatever, they're in there and they're getting mashed by the other guy. I have to be excited to, for the action and oh this and that and all these you know and and uh, it's weird. It's weird when your friends or teammates are, are getting mashed up physically. They're they're physically getting beat up, hurt. And uh and you gotta bring the excitement. So I feel I could be I'm I'm probably in my own head here, but because this is a new job and I, I really haven't had a ton of guidance, um, I just feel really like anxious that like I don't guys, please don't be mad at me. I'm 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 just calling the fights what I think I can see. So uh, I just want you guys to know that that's where I'm coming from. Uh, so I'm just being a little sensitive. <laughs> uh, also, uh, before we get talking on on the actual fights here, uh, it's a podcast birthday on the 21st, Ju- July 21st. The podcast turned one year old, and we're dropping some new shirts. Rob at Turkey and Pistols. I, I love his design, old uh, Arashido guy that, that used to train with us. Still a big fight fan, loves being being part of the, the fights. Uh, he's the guy that designs, he designed our show, our podcast logo and everything else. So, uh, man, I, I love his stuff. I love what he does and, uh, uh, looking forward to the new shirts coming out. I think they're going to be pretty awesome. Uh, so Rob, shout out to you, sir. Shout out to Turkey and Pistols. Also, you, uh, Hope, Quinn, you get a specific shout out. Uh, uh man, we talked about it a little bit on, on the podcast, but so, uh, when I was working with Kieran on the Bulldog and Bear show, we just did a few. And we're, we're, you know, he's a busy man, but uh, uh, I literally I had no idea what what to do at all. And uh, I sat down, and the guy, the podcast guy that owned the studio, sort of helped me. Here's the audio thing; you can use that. And I was kind of like, oh, it seems fairly easy. Um, 
but then from there, it was just like, well, what do we do? Where do we get a name? Go find a name. What do we name it? Uh, uh, what's a logo? Like a logo. Where the hell do you get a logo? You go find a logo. Shout out to Rob, Turkey and Pistols. Uh, Spotify. How the hell do you get it on Spotify? Like, how do you do that? We, I just figured it out. And then I get a message. Hey, man, it's not on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. I'm like, it's not? I go, okay, okay. How the hell do you do that? Figure that out. So, needless to say, um, uh, you know, I'd like to kind of think of the podcast as sort of like my, my passion project, my baby here. And, uh, there's not too many things that I've, I've just sort of started from sort of gra- like, like not having no knowledge of this is really me and Chris are the blind leading the blind here a little bit. We love it, but we really don't, we can talk. We talk to each other all the time. The rest of it was just stuff that we had to figure out. So Hence why, as you can see, we're having some technical difficulties here the last couple podcasts. I Paul, I don't know what to tell you guys, but God damn it, there's going to be a podcast anyway. So, uh, yeah, so um, Hope, when uh, I got a picture, obviously, uh, in the intermission, uh, Chris sent me of Hope in the Shout Out Podcast t-shirt, which we still have some, by the way, if you want one. Uh, and I was like, oh man, that's cool. Like, she probably just grabbed a greasy old training shirt and you know she used that for her warm-up shirt but I was tickle pink and then on her walkout on a big night a historic Muay Thai night in Canada uh she wears the shout out podcast shirt to the ring hope listen that hit me right in the feels all right (laughs) um that really warmed my heart I know it's it kind of is dumb stupid sounding I I hear you but uh Oop, sorry there guys. I'm uh like I said I got stubborn. I'm sitting in my car recording this uh just out of pure frustration for what happened. So uh, I just had a phone call there. Um back to it. Hope. Uh like I said, I, I this this thing is sort of a, a passion project, but I care I, I've invested a lot of uh, mm, just time. I'm I money who not really to be honest. But uh obviously you gotta buy gear, but just time and passion. Like I, I, I love my podcast and it's it's fun and we're just getting going, but uh so to see someone like, uh, well, WBC Canadian champ, Hope Quinn, you know, choose to wear our shirt to the ring in front of the world, uh, it meant the world to me, Hope. You're my new best friend. <laughs> uh, so I I, uh, I really do appreciate that. And uh, I'll never forget that, Hope. I That uh, hit me right in the feels. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Hope. That's great. And 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 to have someone like you as well wearing it, um, there's a lot of fighters I don't want my podcast associated with. You are definitely somebody, uh, who I would like that. So shout out to you. God damn it. Hope. Thank you very much. That, uh, that meant the world to me. Thank you. Uh, okay guys. I'm sorry. Chris isn't here. God, he had such a great perspective when he talked about the Jake fight. We'll we'll get, if I can, Hey Jake, if you hear this man, we'll let, I'd love to hear from you too. If, if we can, uh, if we can take take some time and talk about it, or have Jake and Chris on at the same time and talk about that that fight specifically. But anyway, listen, I'm putting words in other people's mouths here. Um, okay, let's let's get into it here, guys. Muay Thai World Cup number five. Let's start with the main event. Mark McKinnon uh, fighting uh, Gerardo Atti from Germany, the world champ. He was the Atti was the current world champ, is the current world champ, and. Uh, uh, Mark McKinnon obviously trying his hand at making Canadian Muay Thai fighting history, uh, having the, the WBC world title fought on Canadian soil and and trying his hand at the first ever cruiserweight WBC Canadian champ and second ever WBC world champ. 
the other one being Simon Marcus from uh, from the one in Ontario. Uh, man, I can tell you that uh, I've, I've seen Mark a ton, right? I, I'm um, training when Chris was fighting. I would, I would obviously go down there for some training sessions and, and coach Chris. Uh, I've seen him fight for years. And, uh, you know, as an amateur and turning pro and, and having an, his ups and downs as a pro and really coming into his own here. And uh, so I was really excited for this. And, and you when you just hear, like, world championship fight, like, wow, it's been a long time since we heard that in Calgary. So the hype was, uh, it was real, man, and uh, I was really excited for it. Now, as I just ex- explained, uh, well, let me wait a sec before I get there. First thing, so... Th- these two gentlemen, I love Gerardo Atti's uh, walk to the ring, man. You can tell he was feeling himself and uh, just and just enjoying the moment. And listen, this guy's a world champion. You know, he just does world championship stuff. Like, it was boss shit. He, uh, as he walks to the ring, they had the commission point which direction you have to go. And, uh, you know, okay, okay, Atti gets to the, you know, thing. Okay, turn this way. And he just, no, no, shakes his head. No, not going to do it. And just kind of keeps dancing and feeling himself. And then, again, the commission guy goes, okay, okay, let's go. And he just shakes his head, nope, not ready yet. And I was like, oh, just that's why he's a world champ, man. Uh, now, the other thing, uh, this caught my attention too, but um, I, I've been watching uh, Gerardo Atti, the world champ, a little bit online. There's not a lot out there of him, but I, I caught his world championship win when he, when he got uh, his world title versus Juan Cervantes. And I, I definitely know it's a very nice, clean lead. I believe that was left hook and right kick and the combination of. But uh, Chris McMillan was saying when they were warming up in the back, as he was in the same change room as Gerardo Addy, that uh, the second he started warming up, because he thought Mark was going to win by knockout, that he actually changed his mind. Not not, And he did say on the podcast that we screwed up, uh, not that, that he changed his mind in the fact that he went from Mark knocking out Addy to Addy knocking out Mark, but... Just we we just the wave the the wave that Mark's been riding on here, we thought it would be a, a Mark McKinnon just smashing. And uh, Chris said that once he started warming up, uh, he changed his mind. And for someone like Chris McMillan, he's not an, Chris is not an easy man to impress. <laughs> and he's been in there and, and done it with a lot of guys. And, and I've never actually heard Chris like like talk like that, just straight flip. Like oh wow! And and he did bring this up beforehand which made, led to more excitement for me. So Chris, this was before the main event. So when Chris brought this up, I was like, wow, man, like for you to say that, you must be impressed. And uh, so that really built to my excitement uh, in between fights here. So the fighters get in the ring. And the first thing I noticed just compared to the rest of the field, the rest of the fighters that night, the these are big, big boys. Like there is a lot of meat in that ring. Holy cow. Now they weighed in at 190 or 192, but I don't know how much these guys cut weight. But you would—it's fair to assume they're over 200 pounds. So that's 400 pounds, you know, of of beef in there, and uh, angry beef. Uh, and what I can tell you is, uh, and I, I sent Mark a message. Um, those guys like were were happy to slug, man. They were they were happy to just meet in the middle like rams, and to to hear 200 pound men world champions and international Muay Thai champions hit each other. It's frightening, man. It's the sound that those guys made smashing into each other was so much different than everyone else. Like, like, holy cow. They, they hit so hard. And then that they would, they would step into a flurry of moves. Like for sure someone's going out. Like that was, 
I don't know if that was a game plan at all, but but for me, I call those fights lotteries. Like you're both just gonna step in and let it fly, and uh, obviously in combination uh, or outside combination, uh, Mark Mark uh, um, received a left kick, nothing crazy, off the arms and and kind of bounced into the ropes right in front of me. And as he bounced off the ropes coming forward, Addy threw a right high kick, which Mark leaned forward. He thought it was a body kick and tried to catch, assuming. I don't, I'm not Mark, I'm just assuming. Uh, and ate a flush head kick right behind the ear. And uh, he was out the second he touched him. And so three feet from me was a 200-pound man just crashing face first into the mat. And uh, I can tell you, man, that was a pretty pretty dramatic for me even Kyle Messenger my broadcast partner his first time doing it was right beside me and that's his teammate and I can tell you uh, I'm glad Mark's okay you know I'm really happy about that but uh I keep reliving that moment of Mark just crashing down right in front of me and uh boy uh man that was a hell of a knockout and no I mean god obviously no knock to Mark I mean Mark himself with a super classy post, obviously doing okay. Just, I, you know, I, I tried to reach for greatness and I put myself out there in front of the world and, and, you know, and, and, and it's the fight game and, and Addy is a special guy and just, just a great post, very classy professional post. And, uh, that's it, man. That's the fight game. And I don't think that's what people understand. Like these men have trained really hard and, and we, we always hear that, but these guys are out there in their underwear in front of the world, you know, like, like they're really putting their vulnerability on display and you can see what happens. And, uh, you know, what, what the, the one thing everybody sort of, the nightmare, unfortunately became true for Mark McKinnon that, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily nightmare, but you know, everybody wants to avoid that. That's, that's the sort of home run in Muay Thai, but, uh, but that's also just the sport and it can happen to anybody, especially when you guys are flinging your limbs around at 200 plus pounds like that man like it was it was for sure someone was going out and uh and again you just wish it went a little bit longer so you could see the skill of both fellas but from what i understand addy in the back was just a supreme athlete just just jumping around spinning kick this jump knee over here just just a supreme athlete and clearly a world champ for a reason uh, the audio is a little weird, so I hear, and I I can I've I've done this a few times now where I can tell when I'm on the microphone if the audio is good, like I can tell if people can hear me or not, and I can tell for the most part that uh, people cannot hear me, and that's okay. Uh, I, half the reason is the fighters are they're amped, right? So they're wiggling back and forth, they're breathing hard, I'm trying to get the microphone in front of their face, you know. So there's a lot of that going on, right? As they're wiggling back and forth. Um, uh, but Gerardo Atti did say that he's only been, now I, 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 from what I heard, I mean, I'm in there too, right? That he's only been fighting five years and he's now 12 and 0. That is something special. If that's, if I got that right, holy cow. Uh, if you are, yeah, man, 11 and 12 and 0 now and only fighting five years and you're a professional world champion. I mean, sky's the flipping limit. Jeez. Uh, and a nice guy, man. At the end, listen, we're all there to be, we're all martial artists and we're all there to do our best for ourselves. And there just happens to be somebody in the ring who feels the same way. But uh, he was very classy in, in victory. He went over to make sure Mark was okay and just, you know, what, what a nice guy, man. At least the, the little bit I got to hang out with our Addy for the two, 
two minutes in the ring and just experience him the, the last couple days. So congratulations, Gerardo, Addy, uh, Mark. You know, there, there's no words, man. But the words I just have are, uh, you're, you're, a, you're a bad man. And I, I, I think so highly of you as a fighter and as a man. I mean, I mean the, the things you do to become a fighter and what you have to do to pay bills is, is I don't know if people know. I mean, I, I barely know, but I have an idea now. I mean, talked to you a few times. And uh, you're, you're, a, you're a champ, a real champ. And uh, I know you'll be back strong, stronger than ever. And, uh, it's all right, man. It's the fight game and, and, uh, it'll make that next world title, that world title attempt just that much sweeter, buddy. Uh, the podcast supports you. The, uh, the podcast loves you. And we can't wait to see what's next for Canada's phenomenal cruiserweight monster, Mark McKinnon. In saying that though, uh, Gerardo at you. So, okay. He beat, he beat Mark McKinnon by knockout. He was the champ. Mark was considered number one. What happens now? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I would love to see, uh, Gerardo Atti fight, I believe in the same weight class as well, Jacob Benko from Slovakia, or, I can't remember, shoot, um, Czech Republic, somewhere around that area, I, I believe, um, I'm sorry if I got that wrong, um, not assuming he listens to this, but very long, awkward guy, Chris has got to see him fight live, very tall for the weight class, Kind of reminds me of George Mann. George Mann also very tall, long for the weight class. Um, I'm also a fan of as well. Uh, I think that would be a barn burner. Mark, where does Mark go from here? Well, uh, here's what I think. I think Mark should rematch Chip Moraza Pollard. The I don't even know what's going on with Lion Fight anymore. I, I haven't heard anything. I don't even know if they're having fights or what. But he was the ex-Lion Fight world title that Mark lost a split decision to and then Chip lost his title to Jacob Benko who who's now the you know the Lion Fight World champ who I'd love to see fight Gerardo Addy but that was a good hard strong fight and uh I think Cody Jerome mentioned it and I'll touch on it in a sec but I think that uh uh they the WBC Muay Thai recently has said that they're going to now be holding North American championships uh North American titles so, to be honest, I would love to see Mark rematch Chip Moraza Pollard for the North American WBC title. Uh, I think that'd be great. It was a split decision. It was a razor-close fight. Um, uh, Mark has obviously had a lot of growth since then, and uh, I think that rematch is a uh, perfect time for it. So, that's what I'd love to see happen. All right. The semi-main event. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm just pulling up my phone here. I just want to kind of do them in order from main event downward. But uh, the semi-main event was Jake Peacock versus uh, uh, Eric Rocha from Milton Muay Thai. I can't find it right now, but I know at least this, so I can, I can start there. Um, now, listen, of course, I run a podcast, and we, uh, uh, you know, you, you always can sugarcoat things, I mean, for the show. But every once in a while... I'm willing to uh, put a stamp on things. And uh, I'm putting a stamp on one right now. Jake Peacock is the most dynamic, exciting combat sports athlete in Canada right now. I certainly did not say in Muay Thai. I said combat sports. Can you think of another Canadian as dynamic 
as explosive, as exciting, and just just his Chris on the podcast mentioned just watching the the mental game, the the mental side of uh, of fighting. Like you, you got to see that on display from Jake. And uh, I'm I'm telling you, I, I don't think there's anybody a Canadian in MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing that is as hot on fire as dynamic, explosive as Jake Peacock. Um, le- okay, so the fight, right? I said in the beginning of this thing that I definitely had I definitely had favorites or my own predictions and all that kind of stuff, right? I I, uh, I definitely had that. Um, so my prediction for this, and, and, and I think it was quite a few people's Eric's a game guy. He's a gamer. He knows how to play the Muay Thai game to win. Of course he can knock people out, but he's, he's a crafty, savvy guy, man. He knows how to, to win the exchanges. He know like he's, he's a real Muay Thai veteran. And, uh, and so I, I was, I thought that could play a factor in this. Jake doesn't have the experience, uh, the same amount of experience, but boy, man, he's got all 100% finish rate. Um, I think he's what eight and one now. You know, eight knockouts. So my prediction was Jake finishes the fight early, and if it goes late, Eric wins. And uh, um, Jake, I don't want it, it, uh, It's not that Eric didn't get into the fight. Jake didn't let him in. Uh, Jake's front kicks, his teeps, man. They are they're at a bit of a, a fun angle. Uh, they almost look like to me like they're going to be a groin kick, uh, and obviously meant on purpose. And my uh, my assumption is it hides the knee, so you don't lift your knee. Your opponent sees your knee; they know the teep's coming. It keeps the knee low, and that way it's also like the pads of your toes. So you're not eating like a flat foot front kick; you're getting stabbed in the guts with people's toes, and that really, really sucks. Really sucks. Getting toe stabbed and fight it ends fights, and. Uh, Again, I can only call what I see, but I'm I'm sure what I saw were several of those front kicks from Jake uh, that were that were having Eric suck in his gut, Ugh! you know, like pull his flex his stomach, pull his stomach in from those front kicks. Jake has a lot of excellent weapons. I think his teep, his front kick, is is unbelievable, man. I think that's his bread and butter. He uses it offensively as well as to mix it into break timing. But dude, it's it's just gross. That is a gross front kick to have to eat, man. Now the elbow itself, Jake didn't. I mean, hey, Jake's a savage, right? But uh, when he dropped Eric with that first elbow, what impressed me, and again, we're talking with someone who really doesn't have a lot of experience here, or at least it certainly doesn't look like it, does it? But but on paper, not a lot of experience, and uh, Eric just stepped in, and. and and I, I said this, you know, and again for dramatic effect, uh, I think on the broadcast. But it's like Eric sent him a text, "Hey man, in 13 seconds, once I send this, I'm gonna step forward for you." And and, you, and of course, that's not what happened. But but that's just what it looked like. Jake didn't frantically throw his left elbow. He didn't step into it. He didn't step away. He just stood, planted his feet. Eric came forward and he sliced him right in the temple. It looked like a bullet hole, right on his temple, and dropped Eric. And, uh, and obviously that, that was sort of the start of the, the finish, um, you know, for, for Jake's win there, uh, a couple things as well. So, so obviously he dropped Eric with that unbelievably sharp elbow 
I mean, timing, rhythms, everything was beautiful. You don't you don't find a better timed elbow, although we'll talk about one in a minute. Um, now, now, Chris McMillan trains Jake. I'm not even really sure how much, but often enough that Chris says, listen, that elbow, he does that to me all the time. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, you know, obviously he's good about it. He doesn't hurt me. But there's many, many times as a pad man, I go to step in to Jake and all of a sudden there's a left elbow that's just politely resting on my cheek. Like, he, like he's got that down. Like, well, does he ever? That was as clean an elbow as you're going to see. Uh, Eric makes the count. Uh, and obviously, uh, uh, to finish the fight, he ends up in the corner. I can't remember. Oh, round one, sorry. Ends up in uh, the red corner, Jake's corner. And Jake just unloads right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. Just, just unloading. Eric slumps over in the corner and Jake just pours it on more. Now, here's the thing about that. Uh, before we talk about what happened at the end of that fight there, um, most, I think most, most fighters, and again, we talk about experience, and it looks like, you know, he has way more than he does, which is unbelievable, of course. He's crazy talent. But uh, uh, I think most fighters, once Eric got slumped over a little bit into the ropes, would have, maybe not sympathy is the right word, but they would recognize that the ref should come in and probably give him an A count and back up. Jake poured it on more and made the referee come and get him. That's how it should be. Don't get me wrong. That's the ref's job. But uh, the killer instinct and the, just the tenacity, the focus, the, the laser, the, like not anger, it's just coldness, man. He Jake is a cold-hearted assassin. That's what it is. And jeez, uh, man. He was living in the Matrix, let me tell you. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying he, he didn't get, I don't, I don't know if he got hit, but jeez, oh, that was, that was a stellar performance from Canada's hottest fighter. That was something else. Uh, now the other thing too, Jake, when we talk about experience, Chris has always fought when he was a fighter, very cool, calm, collected. That was Chris's thing. And I do agree that if there is a criticism, if there is, that you could give to Jake, it's, hey, man, sometimes you get a little wound up. Relax. You know, it's okay. Again, says a guy who's 100% finishing rate, but said to a guy with 100% finishing rate. But anyway, when he dropped Eric with that elbow, I think I might have even said it on the broadcast, but I was watching Jake and I was waiting to see if he was going to get a little bit too excited. And what I saw was him take a breath and blink slowly twice. As if to say, you know, like, here's what here's the question I have for you, Jake. I want to know, were you relaxed? Or did you have to tell yourself, hey man, I know we're excited. Take a breath, relax, relax, and let's just keep moving forward. It looked like I could read those words in your eyes. I could be wrong. But it looked to me, Jake, like you were excited. We were all excited, man. That was a hell of an elbow. And it looked like if I had to read your eyes, you had to say, calm, calm, take a breath. Don't get excited. It's right here. Just keep, just, just stay doing what you're doing. Maybe not. Maybe you were uh, already just like, eh, whatever. And uh, already calm. Now, the end of the fight was a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> let me tell you how it went from my point of view. So Jake uh, has Eric slumped over in the corner and the bell rings. Ding, the fight's over. I think that it's in between rounds and Jake 
just McGregor swaggers his way across the ring and just hangs out on the top rope, just looking at the crowd as in like, I don't need a break. We're good here. I'll just, I'll just wait for the next round and, you know, hi, everybody. And I was like, dude, that is the most savage, savage alpha male thing I have ever seen in my life. Not that it wasn't an alpha alpha male moment, but I, so here's what happened. So, okay. So as that happened, I was like, Jake, you are, you are such a stud, man. <laughs> That's the most stud thing you could do. Eric's getting worked on in the corner and I see Chris McMillan, who's in the corner of Jake, a little confused as well. Like we were kind of like, is the fight over? Is the round over? Nobody really knew. I thought the round was over. And so I see Chris McMillan look at J- uh, referee Jason Jelaine and, uh, and look at him and ask, is this over? Is it, it's over? And then, uh, and then I see, uh, the ref actually finally wave, wave his hands. I mean, he may have done it before. I was just too busy looking around and called the fight off. And so, uh, your new welterweight champ, uh, Canadian WBC, Canadian welterweight champ, Jake Peacock. I, uh, let's talk about next soon. Um, Eric, Eric Rocha, uh, you know, he's good. He's, Sent a nice little thing. Hey, I'm not done fighting yet. Excuse me, just want a little sip here. Um, which is awesome, man. The guy's a savage, and that's the fight game. Like, you know, I, I would imagine if, if you play chess every once in a while, you know, maybe your back gets sore from the chair or something. Like, you know, if, when you play soccer, you take a soccer ball to the face once in a while or you get slid and then, or, and you roll around and pretend you got hurt or <laughs> I'm totally ripping on soccer. I'm sorry. But, uh, it's a fight game. That this is what this is the that's the, what the job entails. You and you get in there, beat the hell out of the other person using these weapons. May the best person win. So, uh, I do want to talk about what I think about Jake next. Jake obviously wanting a shot at uh, one championship. Um, listen, that that you're the kind of guy, you're the kind of guy they want, man. You're dynamic. Uh, you speak well. I punch the punchers. I can clinch with the clinchers. Want to get paid, man? That was a good speech. I'm being real with you. I think it's too soon uh, for for the animals of one championship. Um, but hell, prove me wrong. That'd be great. Uh, okay. So, man, that, uh, what can you say, hey, about Jake Peacock? Congratulations, Chris. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. Obviously, I, I we'll figure it out. I'm really, really annoyed still about this whole podcast thing, man. Uh, that's two in a row, but the show is going to go on. I ain't stopping. Uh, but we'll, I want these guys in. I They have a great dynamic. They're, they're really finding their team dynamic, Chris and Jake. And uh, uh, I want to hear these guys talk together. It's been, it's been well, a year pretty much. So let's see if we can get these guys back together. All right. We also had WBC Super Featherweight Canadian title defense, Aaron Wilson against Tyler Ninja Nicholson. Aaron Wilson trains out of elite for Muay Thai as well as Olympus Boxing here in Calgary. And I think just kind of, kind of Grover likes to, likes to wander around a little bit. Uh, okay, guys, hold up. I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta, it's gonna roll my windows down here just for a sec. I'm sorry. Getting a little hot in my car, but that's how people leave me alone. All right. My bad, my bad. Sorry. Um, okay. So Tyler Nicholson, obviously the defending 130 pound champion, super featherweight, I believe it was against Tyler Nicholson. Now, we all saw right off the bat the height and reach difference between these two was, you know, 
I mean, the most apparent thing you could ever see. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Wilson, very muscled, very heavily muscled guy. Obviously the shorter of the two. Um, and and uh, uh, Ninja Nicholson, man, just thin. They, they say the, the two best assets, I call them presents. The two best presents that you can have in Muay Thai are height and reach. And Nicholson had all of it. Now, we saw Tyler Nicholson fight uh, um, on the summer show, um, that, that COVID summer show. I think that was the first one I got to do, my first time broad, uh, podca- uh, broadcasting, sorry, uh, commentating. And uh, he fought Louis Grover from Calgary here. And I've never heard of Tyler Nicholson before that fight. And what a smashing he put on uh, on that summer show. And uh, he called out very, very brash. He called everybody out. And uh, I want this guy. I'll fight that guy. 100 pounds, 900 pounds, 400 pounds, blindfolded. I want it all. And uh, very confident man. And, and as I explained on several podcasts, uh, um, Tyler Nicholson's best friend or, or, or biggest fan is definitely Tyler Nicholson. As it should be. That's how fighting works. You know, you... If you don't believe in yourself, who the hell else is going to? So obviously had a tall order. I thought too, man. Aaron Aaron had his work cut out for him from what we've seen of Tyler, and uh, and Aaron being a bad dude too. Um, I, I was very curious to see, dude. I love the mean mug of Aaron. I love his confidence in there. I love it. I love the, the mug he wears. Um, even at the weigh-in, just making sure he, you know, opened up his arms, stepped in front of Tyler Nicholson. Like, dude, I like all that. <laughs> confidence man it's awesome uh now here's the reality Let, let's talk about aaron first the the reach was it was too much uh he just couldn't get inside he did a very good job of evading a lot of what tyler nicholson threw through a lot of head kicks and aaron wilson did a phenomenal job evading them and staying calm i would imagine i would imagine aaron knew what he was getting himself into that Tyler's a bad man and he wants to finish. I mean, well, shit, so does Aaron, right? He knew what he was getting into. So to stay calm, I would think would be not difficult, but, you know, Tyler Tyler comes forward pretty hard. And Aaron got cut on the right eyebrow, calm, like it never happened. He got cut on the left eyebrow real good, calm, didn't think much of it. He ate a lot of leg kicks, which finished the fight, but it was calm the entire time. And, and I think that speaks volumes. That that's something you don't see from even the sometimes the highest of pros. Once things don't go their way, uh, they be they become completely different. Not Aaron. Uh, Aaron uh, obviously. So he got cut obviously on that, that left eyebrow. Now I've said this before. When you get cut and and blood goes in your eye, um, blood is like motor oil. Like it's like pour, pouring motor oil in your eyes. Don't do that, by the way. I'm just guessing, but. It's bad enough that it's already in there. And then when you try to wipe it away, it actually makes it worse. Blood is super, like, sticky, right? And stings, by the way. When blood is in your eye, it stings. Uh, and sticky. So the, the more you wipe it away, it's just instinct. But, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. I got my windows open. There's cars rolling by here. <laughs> just outside my gym. But uh, uh, the more you try to wipe that away, the worse it gets. And it's instinct. And forget about, okay, you can't see, blah, blah, blah. But but now you're split focused. You know what I mean? So now you're trying to fight and worry about seeing. And if you have somebody split focused, I mean, you win. That You know, that's it. You, they have lost their, their composure, 100% composure, into their job because of an injury. You're split focused. And I find it, not many people can come back from those wins. Uh, but we'll talk about that again soon. Um, so... Uh, Aaron Wilson, man, uh, listen, that was a tough... Anybody that's going to fight at 130 against the new champ, 
that is your job getting inside. And it's going to be unbelievably hard for anyone at 130 pounds to get to Tyler Nicholson. Um, t- tough task, man. That, that was a hell of a mountain to climb. And, and Aaron welcomed it with open arms. That guy's a champ, man. That guy's a stud. Tyler Nicholson. Um, we, we, we were on the podcast a few times. And I'm being honest. I, I take pride in my sort of honesty. Um, thought... Um, thought he was pretty brash. I'm not a fan of those kinds of people. Um, just calling everyone out and just, just going over the top with it. But we haven't heard anything since he kind of was doing that for the first two weeks after that, that first summer fight card. And I'll tell you what, man, he, he's been nothing but respectful, quiet, uh, a martial artist, a workman, and a hell of a fighter. And I'm a fan of Tyler Nicholson. You got a new fan, man. Um, obviously, a, a, an actual heartfelt... Uh, uh, condolences to you and your family on the passing of your grandfather. Legit, rest in peace to your grandfather. That must have been a very difficult thing to try to, you know, have the biggest fight of your life on the biggest platform of your life, having to deal with that. Um, so kudos to you, Tyler, and condolences to you and your family. Um, I'll tell you what, man. The guy didn't have any rhythm in his stance. He didn't throw anything twice. There was no rhythm or pattern. I can see how Aaron had a hard time getting anything off. Like he was completely unpredictable and and sharp and didn't wind up too many things. He got a little excited with the head kicks. Aaron did a good job of leaning out of the way. But I will tell you, by the first three low kicks, he throws like a really long, low. Think of a baseball bat. Okay, when you swing a baseball bat, right, the end of that baseball bat is gonna have some ugliness on it. And so he throws his low kicks long and low like that. And so the end of it, you know, the, the, the bottom of his shin is going to have a lot of, uh, of power, a lot of speed and pop on it. And from the first couple kicks he threw, it was obvious that that's going to be damaging. And, uh, and, and that, well, that, that was the tale of the fight. Unfortunately, Eric took, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Aaron took an eight count from a, a low kick. He, and then the corner threw in the towel on the, on the, the final low kick. And you could see in real time his calf and knee swelling. Like I was watching it happen in real time sitting there. Um, Tyler Nicholson is a phenom. He was throwing everything, um, just all the techniques. I mean, hell, even techniques I haven't even seen in the ring, really. Um, maybe seen, but not not thrown in the ring. Um, what a phenom, man. I, I predict anybody uh, that, well, I don't know if anybody at 130 wants to fight him. Hell, he now he said he wants to go up to 135. I don't know if anybody wants to fight him there either. Uh, man, what what a fighter! Great great weapon selection, great accuracy, um, and and cool, calm, and collected the entire time. So congratulations to your new, uh, I believe that was super featherweight champion Tyler Ninja Nicholson. Uh, Aaron, where does Aaron go from here? I don't know, man. Those weights are tough. Um, I don't know, man. But but he I, even when you watch him shadow boxing, his technique is so beautiful. Like I, I don't know, but I, I can't wait to see him back in there, man. I, I love his confidence and same thing as his meanness. Uh, I'm a big fan of Aaron, friend of the show. Got me one of those uh, Aaron Wilson fight shirts, sponsorship shirts. Wear it proudly. So, uh, Aaron, um, tough, tough, tall order, man, and and you welcomed it, and and that's what fighters, real fighters, do. So, I'm a fan of all you guys, man. Uh, rest easy, and and uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you back out there soon. Or on the podcast, for that matter. 
Tyler Nicholson, um, I don't know who's at the 135 in Canada, but uh, I don't even care who you fight, man. Let's see it. I mean, once you start even getting, I don't know how high he can go, but, um, or how high he would like to fight. I mean, the guy literally said he had to shave off all of his body hair to make the 130-pound weight. So I don't know if maybe moving up is an option, but or he would like. <laughs> I certainly don't think moving down is. But uh, wow, um, great performance by Tyler Nicholson. Congratulations, Tyler. All right, now we also had a WBC Super Welterweight Championship defense, Cody Jerome from PFA down in Lethbridge, putting his title on the line against challenger Quinn Waslick from Calgary, Dunamis. Uh Cody Jerome is a cardio machine, man. He um, he obviously had a stellar performance against Kyle Messenger uh, on that summer show as well and uh, uh, won that vacant title that was given up by my boy Chris McMillan, uh, who retired. Um, so Cody has been the, the champ since then and now defending. Uh, listen, man, his uh, Kyle has said it, and uh, even, even Chris, I'm sure Chris has measured him up. I mean, not that they're ever going to fight. I mean, Chris is retired, but, you know, that would have been a fight, the fight, and they're in the same weight class, blah, blah, blah. And the thing I keep hearing is uh, uh, whether you're at 140, uh, 154 or whatever, but Cody is huge. He's a big dude. And uh, I heard that from Chris and I heard that from Kyle. And Kyle obviously got to spend some time and, you know, do the dance with him in there. Uh, Cody Jerome is just a machine. Like, man, his cardio, I don't know if that's natural. I mean, it's got to be or what, but he, he can just go, like, like nonstop. Uh, definitely a little uh, unconventional, a little unorthodox. But, man, his overhand right, left hook, uh, and low kick, if he misses the overhand right, he does a good job of uh, tossing that leg kick. I think it was kind of like, a, you know, shout-out to MMA shredded Jeff Chan kind of style. When he, when he has a long, extending right hand, he follows up with the low kick. Uh, and uh, But Quinn might, so again, my, my, if I, if I, now the fights are over, I predict my prediction to myself was that uh, Quinn was a little too new and likes to measure a little bit um not too much, but just likes to measure a little bit. And uh, it would be too much for Cody Jerome. I'm sorry, it would be it would be too much for Quinn to handle from Cody. But Quinn met that pace with open arms and welcomed it. And I genuinely think it kind of caught Cody off a little bit. Like like he was kind of waiting for Quinn to possibly slow down or or try to have some space and measure it up a little bit. And he just wasn't having it. Uh, and so it, it was real interesting for two and a half, three, you know, three rounds. And, but, but that's Cody's game. And this is the lowest Quinn has come down from. Uh, so I don't know if that played a factor that the weight cut, but I, I thought I saw it too. So I don't know if Cody saw it, but I, it, I just saw what I thought was the moment Quinn maybe took a little bit breath and just had to gear down a little bit. I mean, God, the effort that he put into all that, uh, to try to, to stay up with Cody, not try to keep up with Cody, to keep up with Cody. They, they were they were matched, pacing each other perfectly. It was great, man. It was a hell of a fight. Great title fight. And uh, But I did feel like the second I felt like uh, Quinn maybe came off the gas pedal a bit, you know, from the pace, that Cody actually picked it up more. Um, and I felt like... I felt like when I saw that moment, I felt like maybe Cody did too. Now, listen, I could be completely wrong here, but I definitely thought I noticed, and I thought Cody noticed as well, and he poured it on. And Quinn did his absolute damnedest to uh, to try to keep pace. It's just, just not quite enough. What a hell of a fight. Cody, uh, 
obviously coming off a loss down in, in uh, the U.S., he, he tried uh, his hand at a world title title uh, match. And uh, he, I, I'm not sure. I think he might have got stopped. I could be wrong, though. But, uh, you know, he, he definitely was wearing it. You know, it was a good hard fight for him. Uh, so he's obviously been around and trying to get these big fights happening. And Quinn just is fairly new to the pro game. I mean, he's fought nothing but gamers. But uh, he's fairly new to this. And so I, 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 re I did think that that would be the factor in this fight. And, my God, I got nothing but good things to say about Quinn um, as well as Cody. Uh, I like that Cody in, in the fight. And maybe, I don't know if this is the cardio thing, but Cody will just go when he's ready. Like, he kind of take a kick on the arms. And he won't think anything of it. Like, I do feel like sometimes maybe people try to force the counters because we're supposed to. You answer back. But Cody just goes when he's ready. And uh, I like that. Um, 154. If Quinn stays at one, oh, dude, I don't know. There's so many fights at 154. That 147, 154 area right now, man, it's it's madness. And I want to see all the matchups, man. Uh, I obviously you hear on the broadcast, uh, Kyle Kyle Messenger would like his hand try his hand at Jake Peacock. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Quinn fight Jake. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Cody. Jeez, oh, Kyle. God. Um, I'd love to see all these matchups, man. There's so many good ones. Uh, so your defending champ, Cody Jerome, also asking for a WBC North American title shot. So at 154, you, you sort of, you know, maybe, uh, and me too, start looking around who's out there. I know uh, Chris dropped the name uh, um, Nick Chastain. Um, he's got a lot of experience. He's down in Arizona, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be tough. I'll have to do a little research here, but... Uh, uh, man, there's so many good fights, so many entertaining fights for both those guys. Uh, that was a great, great, uh, great fight. And uh, congratulations to your defending, Cody uh, Cody Jerome. You're defending 154-pound, super welterweight Canadian champ. Okay. I've been holding off some details for the next one. Just about my thoughts. Uh, fight of the night. My God. Abdul Haddad versus Apisit KT Jim. I'm going to take, take a shot at this. I did last night once or Saturday. Apisit. Co-ed chat you rat. I hope I got that right. Um, oh, I feel a little bit uh, Michael Chavalo like if I can pronounce those tie names. <laughs> uh, holy cow! What a barn burner of a of a tie fight. That's the thing. This was a tie style fight with aggression, dude. It was awesome. That was my fight of the night. Uh, I don't know if Appy said now. I know he's. I don't know if he's permanently in Canada now or if he's had any fights or anything, but. But I wonder if if the sort of I mean he's had two I think I heard two hundred and forty three wins and like thirty losses that's like three hundred fights that's insane. Um, I wonder if just a typical tie style we won't get into rules or scoring or whatever whatever but usually the first two rounds is definitely round one usually two in in, in Thailand uh, for gambling purposes as well as is figuring out your opponent they they really kind of don't do much the first two rounds. Uh, I wonder if uh, Apisit was doing that a little bit, uh, you know, just just get the two rounds and then and then typical tie sort of round four, you know, especially round four, but three, four, five is when you sort of see the action happen. Uh, and I think that I wonder if that was something, you know, or or, or just just downloading info. But boy, Abdu Abdu is so strong, man. He's gonna come forward, and uh, he's so strong. He fought Kyle Messenger at the last one and and uh, snuck out a win there. And uh, Abdu himself, he said he's got like 20 or 25 fights. And so he's got 10% of the experience of Apisit. 
And these guys just went toe-to-toe. Man, they stood close to each other. Abdu will put pressure on you, but without grabbing your belly. Like, like he he's getting right up in your face in stance. Like, he wants to trade shots. And, uh, oh, my goodness. Um, they went back and forth. Abdu is so fast and hard-hitting with his hands. Very sneaky elbows. Uh, Abby said, very good. Uh, same thing, very long, dangerous knees. Good foot sweeps. Uh, nice kicks. It was, it was like, wow, just a really, really beautiful Muay Thai fight. And then uh, I believe in the third round, uh, Apisit had what we would call a, I could, we call a one-arm tie-up. So it's kind of like you're over-wrap, you're grabbing the arm. They're under, they have their arm and your armpit underhook, and you're grabbing their arm. Now, the thing with that is even though you kind of have a, let's say it's the left arm, I'm grabbing your right arm. I've got your right arm wrapped up with my left arm, okay, and we're belly-to-belly. So I get it that, like, our arms are wrapped up. But really, um, if I have your arm, that means your arm is under mine. And if I can quickly let go, I get an elbow to the face. I can get there before you can bring your hand up. And, uh, well, that's what happened. Uh, Apisit got the, the overwrapped the one-arm tie-up and just leaned back slightly as he let his left elbow go over top of Abdu's arm. And, boy, did he caught Abdu just clean on the nose, right on the nose with an elbow. And he dropped Abdu. And uh, Abdu, I wasn't sure. I assumed he was going to get up, but I wasn't sure initially. Man, he was grabbing his face. Like, you could tell he was in some pain. And uh, just grabbing his face and just like, Almost like he was trying to readjust his nose. I mean, I'm assuming it's broken. He was very broken as far as I'm concerned, but I'm no doctor. But uh, you could see he was dealing with a great deal of pain and trying to, like, adjust his nose, it looked like. And I'm like, oh, God. And that was right at the end of, I think it was round three. So then he goes back to the corner, and obviously his corner is frantic. He got dropped. His nose is bleeding. He's leaking. His nose is splattered on his face. And so they're putting a towel up in his face to try to stop the bleeding. And uh, uh, he's just trying to pull his face away to get a breath. Like you can tell he can't breathe. Um, So you're kind of thinking like, oh boy, man. I wonder how round four is going to go. Well, let me tell you. Abdu comes out like a house on fire. And I think, I don't don't know if he gave uh, Apisit an A count. But I think the only thing holding him up was the ropes. Like he actually got to sit on the ropes. Abdu threw a left hook right cross and it landed hard and then immediately threw another one. Bang, bang, and they landed hard. Man, he can punch. And uh <clears throat> uh, uh was definitely uh um you know had some dancing shoes on, man. He was he was a little wobbly and, and walking around. And Abdu tried to pour it on. And uh the result is, guys, it was an an unbel these guys, man. Apisit looked like he had a caveman eyebrow from wearing elbows, bleeding from the inside of his mouth. Abdu, uh, as I said on the broadcast, looked like Rudolph. His nose just swollen and red and big. These guys wore that war. And, and I wrote on Instagram, get these gentlemen some Advil. Oh, my God. Um, the result was a draw. And Kyle Messenger, who was broadcasting with me there, uh, commentating with me, nailed it, man. Uh, he that was his prediction. Said I could see this being a draw, and a draw is what we had. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Apisit after the fight. Um, I wanted to, I just didn't get a chance to. They left the ring, but I get to, a chance to talk to Abdu, and and uh, he just said, "Hey, uh, 
Uh, I, fought, I fought guy. I mean, he fought Sanchai. He's fought Manichai. These are these are some Thai superstars, or some would even call Sanchai the greatest of all time. Um, undeserved. We're not there. Don't take it easy. I don't think so, but some might think so. Uh, so, and he said afterwards, "Hey, man, I fought guys with hundreds more fights than me. Like that's nothing new." And to see a guy with that low, little of fights, not low of fights, to be that uh, proficient at fighting Muay Thai so clean and beautifully is amazing. I also think he's in the same weight class as Jake Peacock. Ooh, boy. I want that fight. I think, and you know what's crazy? These guys live in the same city. These guys could be fighting for like a North American world, or North American world title, a North American title. Um, I want to see Abdu and Jake fight, man. I want that fight. I'm not stirring any pots, but Abdu did tell me he's definitely got some interest in that fight. Uh, Kyle obviously had some interest in that fight. Like, dude, there's a, uh, already, man, you know, Jake's, Jake's just, just barely got that thing around his waist and the sharks are circling. Uh, I want to see Abdu fight Jake. I think that would be some kind of fight. Uh, uh. Jake's going to put the pressure on you, but Abdu as well, man. He's going to meet you there, and, and he's going to fire. And uh, I don't have a prediction if we may, if we can see that fight. I badly would like to see it. Uh, these guys are phenoms, and, and and what they're they've done in their careers up to this point, their sh- short careers up to this point, is wizardry, man. It's crazy. Um. Oh, God, what a fight card, eh? What a goddamn fight card. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on here. Next, we have Peter Arbeau, Team Arbeau versus Tyson Green from Team Green. So, team last name fight. Uh, so, the Shadow Podcast was a sponsor of this. I did mention that. And uh, I want, I, I, I've said this now on two different podcasts that neither of them worked. For, God damn it. So, I'll say it again for the third podcast as well as I said post-fight. Um these men have been around our scene. I'm not going to say around, like I'm not making them sound like they're 100 years old, but they've been around our scene that me and Chris have been around for a long time. Chris has fought Tyson Green. Chris almost fought Peter twice. Um, we're, we're, we're in the same circuit, so we, we've known each other for a very long time, seen, seen the ups and downs of all these guys, and, and Chris, them, them and Chris. And um, I'll tell you what, these are good men. These are, these are good men, and uh, I like both these guys as men and as fighters. And I didn't know that this was the fight that we sponsored, but I was, I was very happy I, I'm, uh, that this was the, our sponsored fight. I don't want, not that we had an issue with this at all on Saturday, but I, I don't want my podcast and me attached, a, a name attached to somebody who's going to make me cringe. And listen, I can't even watch The Office. Uh, literally, I, I get too embarrassed. I got to change the channel. <laughs> so uh, I don't, I don't like being and, and and maybe that was my initial reason for kind of not being a fan of Tyler Nicholson initially. That has changed, as I said. But uh, oh shoot, man, where was I going with this? All oh, right, so these men, so these are good men, and uh, I, I was happy to have my podcast a name attached to them. They're, they're, there's nothing bad about these guys. You can say they're professionals, they're fighters, uh, and they're good men. And uh, I'm happy to have my my podcast attached to that. Tyson Green. Now we said this a few hours ago on the podcast when I was talking to Chris, but we said this uh, on the podcast, man, Tyson thought he won. Tyson is slick as hell, man. Tyson is a good fighter, and I really like what he's 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 been doing, but 
ah, there's just something just missing, man. There's just something bare. Just, you're there, I'm telling you. And what it was, we saw it in round five, and everybody said it. The Tyson that we saw throw that combination at the end of round five, we need to see more of that guy. And that that's it. That is, that is it to a T. Maybe just a little too tentative, or you can hear it now. When you're fighting a guy like Peter, he's going to come get you. You got to pick your shots. But I think that's it, man. That That's just the, the missing link there is is just just a little more activity and, and combos just like when, when you showed in round five, man. That was that was awesome. Loved his ring walk and everything, but I know he's disappointed. He thought he won. I didn't. I thought Peter won, you know, in a, you know, a hard, you know, a hard fight, but, uh, uh, I like these guys, man. And Tyson, I'm, I'm telling you, they're, you're, you're right there. It's just if that, that's what I can see if I could give any criticism, man. But hey, listen, again, as I've said many times, this is coming from the safe side of the ropes. It's always easy uh, to talk. Peter Arbo. Uh, been five years, I think he said. Good to see him back out of it. Uh, big, strong guy, man. And uh, I'm not sure why why the comeback Chris McMillan did say in the back, he just was, and probably it's probably the reason, just relishing in the moment. I miss being around you guys. I miss this anxiety and the excitement and the fear. He just just missed it and uh, maybe wanted that again. And uh, uh, hell, why not, man? I, I get those feelings too. And uh, geez, you made me feel really old when you said, hey, man, I'm doing this for the old guys. I'm 35. And as you kept talking in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm 40. <laughs> but uh Good to see you in there, uh, Peter, and talking with you. And and I saw you talking to somebody after there, and you know, I I, lo- I loved how much of a savage you are, bro. And, and you're you're a absolute animal. But it was great to hear people, you know, hey, so so what, what did you do, man? More sparring? And you're like, no, no, probably less. Oh, you had to have done more running? No, no, probably probably way less of that too. Well, more hitting pads? Oh, no, no, probably the least amount of training I've ever done. Just strong, just just mentally tougher. I'm just a mentally tougher guy. Just sharpen up between the ears. And uh, you could tell that caught whoever you're talking to a little off guard, but what a what a fucking animal, eh? Just no, man. Just get tough between the ears. Like, yeah, buddy, love it. Uh, any aspiring fighters? The rest of that stuff he said. Don't listen to that. Get your ass in the gym and do more rounds than you should. <laughs> He's earned it. He's earned to talk like that. Uh, so c- congratulations, Peter. I don't know if, if Peter's gonna uh, get back in there and do it again, or if that was a one and done. But it was awesome to see him back in there, man. He looked like he crawled out of a like a more horror movie scene. He ate a beautiful cut from Tyson. Uh, um, Peter was coming forward hard with his head down a little bit, and uh, and he's strong, man. Like it's gonna be hard to stop that. And so Tyson did a good job of sort of taking two steps back and just coming down with a right elbow that sliced Peter wide open, man. He was just bloody all over the place. And you can see on our uh, Instagram, you got a picture with uh, Devin, who's one of the instructors. Shout out to you, Devin, and uh, for a shout out picture a sponsor picture because we were the sponsor of that fight and uh, Devin got back to the table and just had to wipe his whole arm full of Peter's blood <laughs> so that was a uh, that was awesome so shout out to you Peter and to Tyson Tyson I didn't get to speak to you after but I'm telling you man you're, you're super impressive I I just think that's the just that small adjustment man and you're there you're you're off to the races brother um all right let me just get my phone here. All right, so then to start off our professional portion of the of the evening, Hope Quinn from Elite Muay Thai fighting Morgan Pulio. I'm sorry if I didn't get that right. In from Montreal, Apex. I think it was MMA. Uh, this title was at 122 pounds, and I didn't really know much about Morgan, but but very good uh, Muay Thai. Obviously that right elbow. I mean, she smacked Hope with that. I mean, 
uh, many times with that right up elbow caused some cuts, some fairly decent swelling. And the reality is I, I'm sure the, the hard push forward, uh, um, you know, into that punch combination had hope maybe a little tentative to do that because she was just eating those. When you don't have elbow pads on your elbows, they don't have to land hard to cause damage on your face. And, and there was a few there. And, uh, I'm, I'm again. I always want to talk to these fighters. I want to live in their heads and see see what was going on. But it had to have played a factor. And uh, Morgan also did a nice, nice sort of conventional boxing with some traditional Muay Thai mixed in there. Very good, great, good title fight. Similar, similar sort of body frame. And and uh, I was just, it was a real, real legit title fight. It was really good. And uh, Hope, obviously, my new favorite fighter and new friend, new best friend, <laughs> uh, comes away with uh, comes away with the strap. I'm a big fan of Hope. She's just so quiet and everything. And but when, when you turn the, turn the lights on, it's time to go. Uh, what an animal. Um, so congratulations, Hope. Uh, I'd love to see. I, I don't know. I don't know what's coming next, but God damn it, I'm excited. Uh, very fast hands, powerful, great body jab, hard low kick, left kick. Just um, Obviously, Stephanie Quigg. I'd love to see her defend that against Stephanie Quigg. That fight was supposed to happen, but due to change of dates, unfortunately, just schedules can't happen or uh, can't match up. But uh, wow, that was, that was a fun fight. Uh, congratulations, Hope. Uh, okay, now to uh, the amateur portion of our show. So we had uh, the main event in the amateur side. Uh, Jason Davis from WTM in Calgary versus Deval Garvey from Dunamis. This was at 160 pounds. Uh, this was a, uh, a good good time for both these guys, A, to have this fight against each other. They've both had a couple of performances on the Muay Thai World Cup as well as uh, uh, be the amateur on an on a amateur main event on a big mega fight card. Uh, it was just it was good, perfect timing for these guys. Uh, Deval Garvey comes away with a unanimous decision win. Uh, very tall guy. Usually tall, lanky guys like that aren't aren't not all. I mean, not always, but usually not clinchers. And boy, he sure likes that clinch. And I I did know I do know that that he, that he loves to clinch. But uh, I, I got to be honest with you. If there's any criticism I can have of Deval, it's it's uh, and I said it on the broadcast, man. I'd love to see you have have some teeth into your stuff. I feel like you let people into the fights more than you need to. Like the the fights are closer than they need to be. Um, I I know you're a cool, calm, collected cat. We can get into the podcast, by the way. Deval will be on the podcast here, but but uh, I, I don't know if it's a safety thing. Maybe like you know, just always safety first, and that's okay. But but I I definitely feel like I'd love to see Deval, you know, rawr, put some ugliness into him. And Chris McBillan previously was saying, listen, man, that guy can kick, and his corner were calling for him to kick. And uh, just let those giant limbs fly, man. Um, but but he's so funny. You know, it's always when you hear reggae, you know Duvall's in, in the change room. You know Duvall's fighting. He's always smiling, big fun, crazy hair, and uh, he's just a fun guy. Uh, I, I don't really know much about Jason Davis, but contrasting styles: long, lanky, cool, calm, collected uh, Duvall versus uh, Jason Davis. A little more intense, stocky, uh, looking to throw real heat, man. Good, good left hook and low kick uh, from Jason Davis. But uh, I think the pressure from Duvall in the clinch um, played a massive part. Now, I said this on the broadcast as well. When you sort of do that knee, uh, that knee lock in the, in the blocking in the clinch where you, you drape your arm across their waist to stop them from kneeing you or being able to sort of engage in the clinch, that's how you break the clinch, right? The referee comes, they separate, you keep fighting. That's great. Uh, the problem is Jason, Jason Davis couldn't quite find the leg position to, to get to that but kept trying, and so... And kept trying over and over, and, and so what happens is it, it's from my point of view at least, it looks like you go from, you go from the knee, 
well, the knee lock position, right? The, the block, the clinch block, the ref separates you. It kind of looks like you control it. However, if you can't get the block down, but you keep going to it, now it, it to me, it, I'm not a judge. To me, it looks like you're screaming, get me out of this goddamn clinch. I don't want it anymore. And, well, I'm, when, when I, I, that, I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not Jason. I am Jason, but I'm just not Jason Davis. <laughs> uh, it, it just, I, I just, I think that it speaks, it speaks to the, the flow of the fight that you want out of a, you're trying to get out of a position that you can't control. And so therefore the other guy's winning. Um, and, and I think that that's what made, uh, that, that was the fight, that, but great fight, man. Jason tried to come back real hard round five. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I, I think his corner probably told him you need to finish him. And he tried, man, he tried, but just couldn't get it done. That was a great fight. I know these guys are both kind of knocking on the professional doorstep and, uh, there's something else, man. Big, uh, big, big main event in the amateur side. It was, it was a fun one. All right. Fight number three of the evening. We had uh, Gary Tomey from Team Smadich versus, uh, Abdul Wafar. I'm never going to leave this alone. Trevor Nate. I want you guys on here, man. I, I want to talk to you guys. I like you guys. <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I love Team Smanich. I'm a, I've been a, I'm an admirer of Trevor. Like, I was thinking of this too. I used to drunk call Trevor when I was like 18. All he must be like, God, this goddamn guy. But uh, I just thought, I thought so highly of him. I thought I'd call him when I'm drunk, like a booty call. <laughs> but uh, I, I've always been a massive fan of Trevor as a, as a guy too. He's such a nice guy, and they're just their whole team. Just you know, if there's anybody you want to be, be Team Smanich. They're great. Uh, and I know, uh, Gary is a super tough guy. Uh, he had fought on the last Muay Thai world cup and, and a strong, strong guy had a great performance. Uh, now he was in there with Abdul Wafar who admittedly did come in five pounds overweight. And, uh, if I'm being honest, it, it certainly looked like he easily could lose five, the, the five. I mean, he didn't look like some of those guys in there. I don't know. I'm just guessing like Eric Rocha, Tyler Nicholson, man, those guys look drained. They were dry. And I don't think that was the case for Abdul. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand. There shouldn't have been a reason for you not to be 140. Moving on. doesn't matter. It just is what it is. Um, could that have played a factor in the fight? I don't know. Let's talk about it. So I know Abdul fought in Medicine Hat a few weeks ago, a month ago, I'm sorry, against one of our teammates from Rocky Mountain House. And he is a hard-hitting dude, man. Um, it's almost like defense doesn't matter. It's, it's offense. I'm coming to get you. Hey, offense wins fights, you know, says John Wayne Parr. Uh, offense is what wins fights, and uh, clearly Abdul has that exact same uh, mentality. Man, he comes forward so hard. Now he hit what I think the kind of Gary had a really rough night in the office. Man, it, once once the train kind of got going, I feel like Abdul hit him with like a Mike Tyson style right body right body hook to right head hook, and both of those shots caught Gary. Gary backed up, and then I think ate an overhand right that that obviously sent him spinning, and just could not recover from it, and. God damn it, Gary, I talked to you after. He sure as hell tried. Uh, when I saw Gary, you know, you know, try to come back, he's coming back, his eyes are glassy, you can see he's wobbling to try to get to his stool. Like, he was still really out of it, and he kept trying to find momentum, and then Abdul would catch him, and then he would hit the floor again. I don't mean the floor floor, but sort of the momentum floor. He would have to try to find that momentum all over again try build up a little and bam he would get one and have to do it again and when you're trying to come back from the floor I'm, not, I'm talking dropped as well but 
when you feel the momentum coming and then it just leaves and you got to keep building that what that's got to play on your psyche is something unreal and it takes as i've said on several podcasts it takes a special set of testicles speaking of dudes to uh to keep trying to win when it's just not going well and then unfortunately gary as well i mean he, he took a knee to ate an uppercut slumped over and ate a knee man that had blood squirting out his head i think he had six or seven stitches and just uh he kept trying uh so he lost by fourth round tko to abdul wafar abdul i don't man that guy hits so hard i don't know how the hell you spar with that guy that can't be fun let alone fight him um whether he fights at 145 140 i'm not sure but uh or 150, I'm not really sure, but man, there's a lot of fun amateur matchups for him that are out there, uh, uh, you know. And, and as Kieran even said, possibly pro coming up, man. Um, wow, hell of a performance for uh, from Abdul before. Gary, you're an absolute coffin nail, man. And uh, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna be honest, I would have loved to have seen that fight stopped sooner. I'm not a knock on the ref. Let me let me say that. Not a knock on the ref. I'm not a referee. Um, I don't know how many fights Gary's had. I think it's less than five. And I don't want to say, let's leave the pros to get smashed like that. But I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, man, if you're less than five fights, man, that's, that's tough. Let's, let's see these amateurs not maybe look like that a little bit. No knock on the ref. This is just my personal opinion. Chris felt the opposite, but Chris being the fighter, Hey, man, that guy wanted the opportunity. He was trying to come back. You got to give it to him. I totally get both sides. This is just my opinion. It's just hard, man. I don't want to see people beat up like that, <laughs> even though I'm in the industry. All right, our second fight of the evening. Gregor, the Slim Reaper McIntosh. One of the better nicknames you're going to hear out there versus Pedro Hernandez from PFA. Uh, the Slim Reaper training at a silverback here in Calgary under Eric Thenkachin. Pedro Hernandez, PFA Lethbridge. This fight was at 145 pounds. Slim Reaper indeed. Uh, Gregor threw a heavy uh, kick right off the bat. That even surprised me. Like, whoa, that had some heat and bad intentions on it. These guys had very different body body shapes. Uh, very tall and a slim Reaper, obviously. And uh, uh, Pedro Hernandez, shorter, stockier, um, you know, so that's always like like I keep talking about the gifts, the gift you get in Muay Thai fighting, man, height and reach. Um, and it was on display, but but I can tell you that uh, man, Gregor did eat an overhand right from Pedro. Once once things kind of got going, uh, and they got close to each other, uh, Pedro hit Gregor with a phenomenal overhand right, and you could tell Gregor was like, "Yep, yeah, I think being the slim reaper, I'll just stay on the outside," and absolutely punished uh, Pedro with a couple techniques. A couple drop elbows, a high knee to the head that had Pedro shake his head, trying to shake it off, and did, man. Uh, hell, man, tough, tough night in the office for Pedro, for sure. Uh, but, hey, listen, that's the fight game, right? And uh, Gregor, the Slim Reaper, man. I'm going to be real with you, Gregor. I uh, haven't heard of you before. You have my attention, sir. All right, and to start the mega event here, we had uh, – uh, Sagas Lohat versus Sydney Zizzo. Sagas coming from WTM in Calgary also. And Sydney Zizos from Elite Muay Thai also in Calgary. This was a great way to start an event on the amateur side. Uh, on a mega event. Uh, I, I do know that uh, the blue corner, Albert Hahn, thought he was pretty disappointed. He thought their team won. And I get where he's coming from. I didn't think they won, but 
I can see why you would think that. Like, if I just had to simply pick a winner, uh, I guess I would pick Sydney. But uh, but I wasn't 100% confident, like, like in that. But but I, I can see. I, either way, I just thought there was a little more activity from Sydney Zizos. But I did think Loha definitely had the better knees. Uh, and just, just harder hitting for sure. Um, man, that was that was really awesome. Great, great fight. Uh, okay, so that, that sort of brings us to the end of this. I can't believe I've done an hour and 15 minutes by myself. Uh, I really want a crispy part. Man, we had a good podcast today. We were all excited to talk. God damn it, I ruined it. Sorry. To be honest, it was my podcast machine. Like, it froze. Like, I, I really didn't know what to do. It's not like me or Chris slipped up anything. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so this was held at the Max Bell. First time this was at the Max Bell Arena. It was insanely hot in there. Um, whether they don't have air conditioning or it wasn't working, I think it just wasn't working. But oh my god! I mean, I'm in. I was in a suit and just this. I I knew it. But the second my jacket came on, it can't come off. I was I was rush soaking right through my shirt, and uh, I'm sure that'll be fixed by next time. And the crowd. Uh, let's be real. The crowd was a little smaller than we're used to for the Muay Thai World Cup. Now, we've had a couple shows with no people, really, but um, I, I think in Calgary, just, uh, you know, just coming off the stampede and, and the summer, it's it's a bit of a tough sell. And and maybe not. Maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know. But I do feel like, because uh, I, I guess I see I say this because I feel it in my, in all, I'm assuming, Canadian gyms have a quiet summer, quieter summer. Um. I would think that Canadians in general, we just, I know we have nice weather generally from May to September, but we sort of feel like we get eight weeks, July and August, and that's it. So we try to take advantage of that. And uh, I wonder if that played a part. I don't know. But uh, um, yeah, it, it was it was unbelievable. Just obviously smaller numbers, but a uh, uh, great venue. And it felt really, I've seen a couple fight cards there. It was, it, Man, I'm so privileged to be part. I really do have the best job in the world. I recognize I'm spoiled. I get the best job. I recognize it. <laughs> uh, uh, it was it was awesome, man. Now, I know Kieran has po- uh, tagged me and stuff saying that we have a big announcement. And we were going to release this announcement on Saturday. Hence why I uh, look like I came off the love boat. I decided to spruce it up a little bit for this announcement. But uh, it's going to have to wait a little while. I think like a very little while, not like next year, five months, nothing like that. I think it's right around the corner, this announcement. Now, here's what I can say is Kieran put it on on Facebook or Instagram today saying this is the biggest news in North American Muay Thai history. Is that true? I don't know. If it's not, but it's close, says a lot. Just the fact that he said that means this news is freaking huge. I know the news. <laughs> Uh, so everybody, so for the 26, 27, you know, people, oh, I'm sorry, that's 20, 26, 27,000 people who are trying to, oh, we're friends, buddy. We're friends. What's this news? My lips are sealed. I'm sorry, guys. I love you to death, but, uh, I like my position of privilege and I want to keep it. So you will find out soon enough. Leave me alone. <laughs> um... Uh, okay, guys, so that was for the Muay Thai World Cup. Next one uh, is in November, uh, according to uh, to Kieran. Listen, that was the one of the, I'm sure I've said it already. I've probably said it five times because I've done two podcasts now in the same event. Th- three, really. Uh, that was one of the more savage, bloody fight cards I've been to in a long time. Man, as a fight, far, fight fan, that was exciting. 
Lots of, uh, I'm sure the doctors were busy. Lots of stitches getting handed out that night. Man, that was a fun, that was a hell of a fight. Uh, and as a 40-year-old man, you always, uh, you know, I always think of myself as 19-20. But you always think, like, maybe can I do a Peter Arbo? Can I do a one-and-done? But, Jesus, when you see how everybody went buck last, on Saturday there, like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if I want that. But uh, congratulations to everybody. That was, everybody put on an absolute stellar performance. Maybe it didn't have, it wasn't your night, but you know the magnitude of what was coming on that night. And, and I know you all brought it, man. And, and you made my job easy. That was so fun. Uh, okay, let's move on a little bit. Um, so a couple things here, the um, boxing, the Ryan Garcia fight. We talked about it a little bit. I, I want to keep this mostly about the Muay Thai World Cup, so I won't spend too, too much time on this stuff. But uh, um, Ryan Garcia, boxing, obviously, he's kind of known as a loudmouth and thinks he's an unbelievable fighter. Well, he is an unbelievable fighter, to be honest. But uh, he sure does a lot of talking, and he got kicked out of, whether he left or got kicked out of Canelo's camp, um, Canelo is a professional through and through, and I even hear difficult to deal with. He's that much of a businessman. And no-nonsense kind of guy, Captain Serious. And uh, so I hear that, so if you get kicked out or you or you leave uh, a Can- Canelo training camp, I just think that speaks volumes. You can't handle the professional side, the way that Canelo does it, and let's be real, he's doing it right. Whatever it is, training, marketing, whatever. So I think that speaks volumes. So he uh, he fought uh, Fortuna, who, who was good, used to be good, um, um, he starched him, no problem. Uh, so he's calling out Tank Davis. And uh, I got to be honest, man. I know everybody wants this fight because they want to see Ryan Garcia get starched. Uh, you know, he's a little bit of a talker. But, but I think it's a boring fight. I think these boys are counter counterfighters. And I, I think I think there's a knockout, though. I, to be honest, I think Tank knocks out Ryan Garcia. But I think it's a boring fight up until then. Uh, these guys trying to sort of fake each other out, make each other make a mistake. But don't get me wrong, want to see it. And you can see Floyd Mayweather saying, you know, you're calling this guy out. Well, listen, you haven't won nothing. Interim titles don't count. My guy's the champ. You can come meet him. He's waiting for you. We can fight 90 days if you want. Ooh, boy, that's some championship talk there. Love it. Um, so Ryan Garcia. Uh, what else? One uh, UFC on the weekend. Uh, you know who I do want to talk about? Paddy the Body Pumblet. Now, he was fighting, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Leave it. I can't remember his first name. Jordan, Jordan, leave it. Uh, I like Jordan. Jordan, Jordan's a good fighter. Very sort of flamboyant, um, um, you know, and just kind of unassuming. His hair is not a crazy hairdo. It doesn't have crazy ripped abs. I think even a little chest hair, like just a kind of normal looking guy. You know, who he reminds me of is Barry from the Goldbergs. Uh, I don't watch a lot of the Goldbergs, but just uh, that guy Barry. That's who kind of reminds me of. But very like just flamboyant, like you know, he uh, he does the splits and and. Uh, uh, twerks and like he's just a flamboyant guy. He had a fun. I laughed. He had a phenomenal post for Pride Month in June. There, it was like uh, corporations, all corporations for the month of June, and it was all his sort of flamboyant sort of stances and stuff that he does. <laughs> it was uh, it was perfect. Uh, so he fought uh, Patty Pimblet, and Patty won. Uh, according to Jordan, he um, he was pretty honest on online and just said, "Hey, I ate a knee, went out for a couple seconds, and uh, yikes!" And that's how it goes. Uh, and Patty's obviously a, just such a character, right? But, but, and a bad fighter, like badass fighter. I mean, by the way, if you haven't caught onto the podcast yet, when I, when I say bad man or, oh man, that's, that's a bad woman. I, I don't mean like, like you're stealing candy bars at the, you know, local Seven Eleven. I mean, badass. Uh, anyway, 
so Patty wins by by choke by by um, submission, but his his thing afterwards. Now it's going around, and I sort of feel it, uh, this is a sensitive topic, so I'm just gonna say it how I feel, right? And if you don't feel my way, it's okay. It's all good. I love you. But men in general, right? The, the stigma of of sort of men have to be tough. And uh, where are we at here? Uh, the stigma of men have to be tough, and and you know all, all this stuff, and pick themselves up by their bootstraps, and uh, dust yourself off, kick yourself in the ass, be a man. It's funny because I think that's needed more now than ever. And uh, uh, at the same time, it's like we're not allowed to have any other feelings you know, depression, mental, mental, mental illness. I have, I don't like that. I, I feel like, geez, I'm not a doctor, man. What am I talking about here? <clears throat> I feel like people are using mental illness as an excuse too much. And I do feel like people need to kick themselves in the ass and tighten their bootstraps and get to work and stop making excuses. Now that I've said that, uh, Patty's right. Men still, Men still need to talk to people. You know, we, we talk about all these different groups, victimized groups, and I'm not, rightfully so, it doesn't matter. Or not, it doesn't matter. But but the theme is, go talk to somebody. There's people to talk to. It's hard, and we want help. And it definitely feels like um, men don't get that push, just in general. Men don't get that push. And Patty, you could see when he was talking about stigma and talk to a counselor and even himself, uh, even people that I know well, even in the industry as of late, like it just, uh, you could see on his face that his friend had committed suicide and it really hurt. It really hurt him. I mean, obviously, but, but you always hear, you talk to somebody, you call the counselor, mental health. Like you, it's such a cliche thing you hear now, but when you see him say it, man, you, you could tell he, he was wearing it on his face, man. It, it hurt. And the sentence that everybody picked up on that he said was, I'd rather have my mate crying on my shoulders than going to his funeral next week. God damn it, that's it. That's it. That's everything. And there is a lot of depression in the fight world. And uh, he's right. And for my friends too. Listen, I, <laughs> it's funny. I live in that, you know, the world, you know, oh, shut up, be a man. But if it comes down to that, my shoulder is there for you too. And there's some of you out there who I've talked to, uh, who maybe I've been a digital shoulder for, because you're not beside me. It's there for you, man. Don't. I'm with Patty. That was heartfelt, man, and uh, I felt it too. I could feel the pain he was going through, and uh, he's right. Uh, okay. In saying that, let's let's uh, let's move on. So, Patty the Batty, obviously a bad dude, very sort of politically driven too, in his little sort of city. I don't mean to bring. I I don't want to do that, guys. But but that's a touchy subject for everybody right now, and uh, well, including me. I mean, everybody. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Uh, Patty, you're right. Men, women, dogs, cats. Just the stigma of men, and uh, that we got to be the strong, silent type. You do. That's my opinion. You do. But if you're going to go the route of stopping your life, for God's sakes, talk to somebody, anybody. For God's sakes. All right. Um, also, one championship. Let's talk about that real quick. We had uh, Janet Todd. Obviously, she fought uh, Laura Fernandez, Pizza Power. Uh, Janet Todd from L.A. 
uh, fighting at a boxing works from Brian Popejoy. Um, um, now the interim Muay Thai world champ. She was a kickboxing world champ. Janet Todd, man, just so solid. And, and you can see in the way they train, they do a lot of scenario partner work. Okay, now we're working on um, moving left off this, or we're working on aggression with hands, or working on moving right and fitting in the low kick. They do a lot of scenario. Well, everybody does, but they, they're very, you can see it on uh, with Jackie uh, Boonten, obviously a shout out to Jackie, great teammate. But they, they obviously have those drills, and so it's always sort of situational. So And I thought you really saw that in the fight where uh, Laura would do something and Janet had an answer. Uh you know, you, you could tell that she's worked on this and seen that many, many times. Uh, that, was, that was a great fight. Uh, we also had, uh, who do we have here? I'm just trying to think. Mini T, Danny Williams, MMA. Man, what a great knockout he had. Uh, I thought that was a, uh, a really fun fight too, man. He, he's really fun, Danny T. Fairly, fairly small guy, very aggressive, and obviously good Muay Thai. I mean, you heard his post-fight there. I fought on the original, you know, the cage Muay Thai, John Wayne Parr's promotion. I stopped Muay. Everyone thinks I'm just a Muay Thai guy. I stopped, man. I, you know, I grappled. I learned this art of mixed martial arts and love it, man. I, I love that whole attitude. And then called out the champ, Joseph Lasiri, who, if we remember, uh, won his title not so long ago. And uh, but respectfully, but aggressively, man. Let's go. You're sitting on that title. You got to defend it. Fight me, man. Let's do it. We we know what we're doing. And uh, Joseph Lasiri's response, obviously, he's pretending he's watching that clip and pretending to have a bite of pizza. And uh, his trainer goes and slaps the pizza. Let's go. We're, we're doing it and yeah what 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 we got time don't worry nope let's go and obviously a little act but throws the pizza kicks off his shirt all right let's get training for mini t so uh yeah that's gonna be fun that that'd be a good fight i'd like to see that too uh, And liam nolan we also had the the uk superstar liam nolan uh try his hand at uh uh fighting sinsimut who just come off a a good uh knockout of nikki holtzkin now i think liam nolan was a slightly late replacement i think uh, but not the matter. He's been so actively. He's got to be one of the more active fighters on the planet right now. Uh, Liam Nolan um, fighting in IFMA and obviously winning a world title and, and uh, you know, just fighting all over. Uh, now, obviously, man, uh, what a highlight, man. He, he tried to, it, I still can't tell whether it was a step up knee or that sort of step up left kick. I, I think it was a left kick. He wrote an Instagram thing where he was showing how to do his kick and then just kind of jokingly said, oh, yeah, make sure you keep your hand up. I'm not like me. Uh, so it must have been a kick. But right as he was on the height and went to throw a left hook, uh, I'm sorry, left high kick on the, up on his toes. Man, did he eat a crunching left hook to the jaw that sent him from heaven down to the canvas. He was really high up on his toes and just came crashing down. And uh, for those who don't know, if you rewatch that, it's yeah, I'm sure he got knocked out, obviously. But the worst part is from that high up when you're already out is your head hitting the ground. The viewer, you see his body facing the camera. It doesn't maybe look like his head hits the canvas. But then when you see the other view, when you see his back, um, man, he slams his head on the canvas. And uh, I'm just glad he's all right. Liam Nolan, man, right when I turned on, if you saw the, the story, Instagram story, just happened to be right when I turned it on, was him crashing down. And I, <gasps> oh, what? I was, I was kind of taken away by that. Um, so I was, that was a fun one. Uh I can't recall off the top of my head. Again, guys, I'm just doing this in my car, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, I don't have the other ones in front of me. Other than that, we also just have Bolkow, big bad Bolkow, making uh, apparently his, uh, uh, I don't know if it's BKFC, uh, uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, that that specific organization, but going uh, uh, 
uh, going the bare knuckle route. I don't know if it's true. I think it might be a bit of a uh, publicity stunt from the organization. But uh, in my honest opinion, so my um, our buddy Scotty, who's a friend of the show, suggested that uh, uh, that actually wouldn't be good uh, for Boa Cal. Because uh, he was thinking maybe David LaDuke. Like, I don't, uh, he says this fight's set up. I don't know if that's true or not. But, but according to him, um, this fight's a go. I got to be honest, I don't really like it for Boa Cal. Uh, I, I, although he spent a lot of time working his hands, he's definitely getting a little older. And I feel like, I'm not saying he wouldn't win, but... If there was ever an area where David LaDuke has the best shot, it's taking away everything else, the knees, the clinch, the elbows of Bolkow, and leave him with just punching. Um, I, I think... I'm sorry, guys. I had to take a little break there. I had to pee so bad. I had to run to the gym. <laughs> now everybody knows I'm here. They're looking at me in my car. I got to hurry. Uh, so I was just saying, so I, I think Bolkow, the best shot for David LaDuke, if, if this fight's even happening, is, well, bare knuckle bare knuckle boxing uh i just think it was a a way for uh the probably the organization to have bolcow attach their name and uh yeah um yeah there you go other big news last to finish her off one fc uh announcing amazon prime that is awesome uh i love to see obviously any any fight organization take that step into like that sort of prime time light uh so i don't know if they're going to stay on youtube or on the app or whatever but i'm sure we'll have an update soon from one championship but uh, and it, I, I'm guessing, but I think their first time on Amazon Prime is going to be the, uh, uh, the fight card in August with what I'm calling the real main event, uh, Liam Harrison versus Nongo. Um, uh, I know the real main events, Mighty Mouse Johnson versus, I can't remember the other guy, some MMA fight. Not that it won't be good, but I don't care. Liam Harrison, Nongo, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, as well as Haggerty, I think, oh, I can't remember. I'll be quiet. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Anyway, uh... Yeah, 1FC uh, coming to Amazon Prime. All right, guys. Listen, that's that's an hour and a half of me talking by myself. Decent job, Jay. Well done. All I pretty much did was re- reiterate everything me and Chris just did a few hours ago. So, All right, guys. Um, that's going to be it for this podcast. I'm sorry we screwed up another one. Two in a row got screwed up. Uh... We'll have her fixed and ready for the next one. Deval Garvey will be in the house Friday, what is that, August 29th. So we'll talk to the cool cat, Deval Garvey, and break down his fight as well as what's coming up for him. Other than that, guys, we'll see you at the WBC Youth World Championships in August as well as the Sanchai Seminar. See you soon. Yeah.